Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Comfort. Yes, comfort my people, (laughs) says your God. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, are you okay? Oh, okay. You gotta listen to me. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort or speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare or her hard service has ended and that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low, and the crooked places shall be made right, and the rough places smooth, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Powerful scripture here in Isaiah 40. Isaiah is really a microcosm of the whole Bible. The Isaiah, the book of Isaiah has got 66 chapters. The whole Bible has got 66 books. Isaiah is uh, divided into two chapters in the same way as the Bible is divided into Old Testament and New Testament. Isaiah 1, the first part, has got 39 chapters. In 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 the Bible, the Old Testament has got 39 books. If you look at the New Testament, it's got 27 books. Isaiah, the second Isaiah, is um, 27 books. 27 books. Uh, Isaiah 1, the first part, sounds like the Old Testament. It sounds like it's all about war. It's all about judgment. And promises of God are conditional. It's kind of like, you know, that kind of thing. And then the second part, it starts with Isaiah 40 here today, uh, starts more like it's a grace and, and love of God and the unconditional love of God and Beautiful, beautiful promises of God. Uh, Some of the scholars say that really this is the New Testament of Isaiah. The New Testament of Isaiah. And here we see amazing the revelation of the coming Messiah. We see the proclamation of Christ's birth. We see the work of the cross. We see the great millennial kingdom. The whole book of Isaiah is really a picture of the Bible and it's absolutely beautiful. But right here at Isaiah uh, 40... This is the beginning of the second part, the New Testament, if you like, of Isaiah. And it's like starting the New Testament. It's beautiful. And so after woe, woe, and kind of judgment, here comes Isaiah with a beautiful, tender, comforting word. It says, comfort, comfort my people to bring the love and the grace. Something is changing. Now, there are two layers here, always in the Old Testament. The first layer here is that is is speaking to the nation of Jerusalem, of Israel, and also Jerusalem in particular. And the scripture is used a lot through the uh, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, right? Sukkot. Everybody know Sukkot? Everybody say Sukkot. Say it. Sukkot. Sukkot is the Feast of Tabernacles, which is coming up in, um, in October. And when thousands of Christians would also gather uh, in Jerusalem uh, to speak comfort 
to Israel, to stand with Israel and to speak tenderly towards Israel and Jerusalem. It's so beautiful, so really, really beautiful. And to pray for the shalom of Jerusalem and to reveal, to help reveal the truth about their favorite son, Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, many Messianic Jews, of course, believe that Jesus was born uh, during the Feast of Tabernacle, Sukkot, and that he will come back. It's the only feast that has not been uh, fulfilled yet. And so they believe Jesus will come back uh, at the return at the Feast of Tabernacle. Now, we were there last year. We're going to be there again uh, this year. Uh, not for the March. Last year, I want to show you the Jerusalem March uh, where thousands of Christians, and actually also non-Christians, will walk through the streets. And it's organized also by the government. It's an official march in the city. We thought it was 20,000 people marching. The, the Jerusalem march actually talked about 60,000 people marching through the streets. And sometimes the Jewish people would stand, the, the, the nation and the city would like sometimes 10 deep. And we would go through the streets and we would just love on people. We give them flags and we give them love. We hug on people. It is the nations of the world coming to love on Israel. They've been the most abused nation and race in the world. Abused. So much pain, so much suffering. And we as Christians and the nations come and they say, we love you. People love you. You're awesome in God. Watch this. So amazing to be at the Jerusalem March. Look at that. All these thousands of people loving Israel, saying, we stand with you. Look at the thousands still coming from the back. Just down there, it's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's our team for New Zealand right here. It is. Yay. <laughs> mother right there, the kids right there. Woohoo! It gets a bit noisy here with all the uh, Rams horns. Look at this. All down there, all the way down there. 20,000 20, people on this march. too excited looking there. I didn't even look where I was going. Isn't that amazing? The Jerusalem march. It didn't look that many there, but honestly, at certain points where you could see down the road, it's like, I can't believe how many people. I mean, we were on the march for Jesus here, right? In 2000 and whatever it was, you know, with 10,000 people, but there it's like crazy. But it's so wonderful to speak to Jerusalem, to speak to this nation. Absolutely beautiful. But of course, also this scripture is talking about us, prophetically about the New Testament believer, about the kingdom that we are, you and I are living in right now. For God so loved the world. He loves the whole world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves everybody. God wants to comfort everybody. Everybody. Beautiful word, this word comfort. It's made up of come and fort. So it's, come means with and fort means strength. So with strength, it means really to strengthen. And the mission of the church is really to strengthen, to bring comfort to people. People are looking for comfort in many different places. In work, in relationship, in many addictions, sex, relationships, drugs, rock and roll, money, food. Big one these days, food. You know, comfort eating. There's something about, I've got, I've got to comfort myself, so I eat a lot of stuff. You know, there's a lot of, we all need comfort, but there's a lot of comfort. There's all this kind of comfort, but only God 
Only God by His Holy Spirit can give us true comfort, which really will be lasting and is powerful in our lives. And so the mission of the church is to comfort rather than condemn. People don't need condemnation. They know things are not going. They just don't know the Savior, but they know there's trouble in their life. They know it's not good for them. So the church doesn't come with judgment, but the church comes with comfort. The church comes with love. So many people have been criticized, rejected. They need to be comforted. They need to be loved. You know, there's such a difference between those three C words. One is condone, two is condemn, and three is to comfort. To comfort. Jesus never condoned sin, right? But he refused to condemn the sinner. He was confused to condemn or judge the sinner. And sometimes we are uncomfortable around people who are lost, who are in some kind of addiction or going on. And sometimes we are afraid because we are kind of spent time with these sinners, if you like. And we spend time with things going to rub off onto us or whatever. Or we are condoning their behavior. And so sometimes we stay away, we separate ourselves from the world. I had this for many years, I had this complex. I said, I want to be holy, you know, in a sense, of, I don't want to be like this. I, even, I didn't even play drums in bars and, and really because of that. Now, I felt I, was, I, want, I want to only um, honor God with my gift. Uh, but part of it really in the beginning was I was too afraid to go to bar bands and too afraid to be involved because what if I get, you know, uh, you know tempted and stuff, you know. So I was kind of afraid of the world, you know. And the thing is that many Christians are afraid of the world and we separate ourselves from this, you know. But Jesus was very comfortable with sinners. He was called a friend of sinners. Are you called a friend of sinners? I like to become called a friend of sinners, you know. It's amazing what St. Balls was talking about. I mean, they go to pornography fairs. Now, he says if you have an issue with pornography or those kind of issues, don't do that. Uh, but he says we take teams to the pornography and we get people like the hand reading and, and prophetic stuff. And it's incredible what, what they do in those fairs. Remember this, 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 this um, spirituality fair, Catherine? And I, my mind, body, soul. But I don't know if we ever had a thing there. I know some churches have had things there. <clears throat> I suggest if any of you guys feel like, come on, we've got to be at those places. You know, go harm, psalm reading instead of palm reading, you know, psalm reading, you know, and do stuff, you know, stuff there, you know, and get people to, to read. And to, honestly, God will come through in an amazing way, particularly there because they're so hungry for spirituality. And when they meet the real spiritual God and the love of God and the comfort of God and the goodness of God, suddenly, boom, I've heard many testimonies of other people doing it. But we need to be doing that. So why don't we have some people? Anybody wants to do it? Okay. Talk to us later on. It's very important to be in there, like. How can they love? I also liked very much, when I listened to Sean Bowles and also Bill Johnson, what I love so much about both these men, Bill for a long time now, Sean I only heard for the first time, is I love that they, everything about them is loving other people. Everything about it is how can we love people more? Because people ask him all the time, how can, you, how can you prophesy over these people, word of knowledge? He says, listen, when you, get, when you start thinking of other people and you start loving other people and God's love through you will start to love more and more people, it kind of automatically starts happening because you say, what can I say? And pictures go start about what something, things will come into your mind about that person. And then you say, hey, do you have a child who is sick? Yes, how did you know? Well, God just told me. And he said, well, blah, blah, blah. You know, that, it just happens when we start loving on people. And I was really challenged by that. First of all, their own lives. I mean, they were so beautiful, weren't they? I mean, Sean Bolt says he got married at 37 and he was still a virgin in every way. That's not bad. Right? 
Not many can say that, you know. So the thing is, though, and, and but the thing is, though, how are these people's lives? What are they? What are they? Like Catherine says, you know, what are they looking for? How, how can we? How can we? How can we in our own lives? Dedicate our lives and seek God and, and love Him more and more and more and love other people more and more. And as we do, it's amazing how God starts to use us, right? The church. Didn't it say somewhere in the Bible that they will know us by our love, you know? So what, what is the picture out there? Are they loving on us? Are they coming to our church? Where are they? You know, where are they in your life? Where are people, and I know we, we have people in our lives, but you know, I'm just preaching this thing, you know, in the sense of, it's really challenging for us, for the church to again be this love place, this loving community. And I know people come into our church and say, man, I just love the vibe here. I don't know what it is about this place, but it's the love. Of, something's going on here. That's beautiful because that's what we want. But we, surely we can increase this. That when they go into your workplace, that something about the love in this workplace, something about you. What's something about you? I remember in Hawaii when I did my DTS and I was 18 years old, they looked at us and they, they, they were called the shiny eye people. There's something about you, something coming out of your eyes which I really like. They could see the difference in your life. So the question is, is there a difference in our lives? Can people smell the fragrance of Christ and the love of God when they are around you? Good challenge, right? Challenge for me, challenge for you. And I would love to, to grow in this way. Amen? But the cross of Christ really shows God's love for sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But it doesn't condone the sin. The world is looking for real hope. The world is looking for real comfort. Amen? And I'm so glad we're getting out of legalism because that's like the worst one, right? That's like, man, we've been so into legalism, you know, eating from the wrong tree, you know, the tree of good and evil. And we just started to eat now from the tree of life. You know, legalism doesn't prevent sin. It just makes us miserable in it. Legalism, people say you got more legalism, you know. No, legalism doesn't present, it just makes us more miserable in the whole thing, you know. It's driving people away from God instead of drawing them to God. But true grace, true grace, the power of God, the love of God, the goodness of God will draw them to God. Amen. It says that the goodness of God will lead us to repentance, will lead people to repentance. So let's love on people. I would love us to kind of, you can't over love, right? You can't love too much. Let's say it that way, right? Wow, Jesus. Come on. Let's love people. Let's love people. I mean, our, our slogan is passion for God, compassion for people. That means love for God, love for people. Well, the more you love people, the easier it is to love people. Uh, the love, more you love God and, and the, the easier it is to love people, right? And the wonderful thing is no more like the Old Testament when he says, okay, what is the greatest commandment under the law? He says, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Sounds really good, and it is good, but it's under the law. Then Jesus says, I'll refine this. I'll redefine this whole thing. In the New Testament, you know what he says? He said, love as I have loved you. Because you can't love God with all your heart without the love of God being poured out into your heart, right? So God wants to pour out, and he has poured out, if you're a Christian, by the Holy Spirit, this love into our hearts. And this love is what we, what, we, what we live from. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? Everything Jesus did was compassion-based. It was all about the love that he had for people. And because of his love, I would love everybody in this church. When people meet us, they'll see, man, I mean, maybe I don't agree with the theology. I don't even like the hairstyle or even like the word music or whatever they do. But, but I have to say, 
these guys are the most loving people I have ever met in my life. I tell you, if we become like this, I'm looking at myself. If we become that way, I can tell you, we are going to change this world. We are going to change people's lives because people, that is, you can't resist love. And God is love. I was almost going to say Bill thing, Gideon. That's really good, but I won't do it. That's a really good word. Love, love, love. All you need is love. Verse 2. Isaiah says here, speak comfort. Speak comfort. Literally in Hebrew it says, speak to the heart. Speak to the heart. You know, we've had generations, particularly in the Western world, who are speaking to the head. Now, there's nothing wrong with the head, but we've got to learn to speak to the heart because we've inherited from this Greek Platonic modernist inheritance, this rational enlightenment, the whole thing about understanding and all figuring this out. And often this has rejected the experience of the feeling and the love of God and totally undermined what God is really about. It's not about some theology, but that Jesus Christ is perfect theology because he is perfect love and he displayed the love of God both by sacrificing his life but also the way he lived his life, right? Whoa. It's good. So we speak. We speak to the heart. We speak to their heart. That's why I love so much what we say. Compassion for people. Compassion for people. People want to lean on us, not learn our lessons. They need to love, be loved more than our lectures. They need solace more than our sermons. They need they yearn for pie, for peace more than our piety. Let's start loving on people and really massaging where they're really hurting and the desires that they have. They're all looking for true relationship, both in their own lives, true relationship with God, authenticity, authenticity in our lives. But you say, yeah, but we need to teach them. Yes, we do. But we teach them after we reach them. We can inform the head after we have reached the heart. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus hardly ever debated all this stuff. Maybe sometimes with the scribes and stuff, Pharisees, but he basically always went to the heart. He always revealed the heart. The heart. Because out of the heart comes the life. And yes, we've got to renew the mind. I get that. And all this stuff happens too. But it really starts with the heart. We have in our churches so many people who are convinced but not converted. Convinced but not converted. When you're convinced, it's from the head. It's knowledge. Yeah, I'm convinced this is true. But what about conversion? What about, hey, I am converted from the heart. A deep conversion from the heart itself. And so we need to get the Holy Spirit to infiltrate our lives and to consume our hearts by the love and the compassion and the comfort of God so we can give this to other people. See, faith is not from the heart, from the, from the head. It's from the heart. Romans 10.10 10 says, it's with the heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? It is so important about the heart. Now, I don't, again, recount and, and, and denounce apologetics. I love Ravi Zacharias. I love going to the universities, and I love debating stuff. But I tell you, I have seen many people have debated, debated stuff till to, to, to the cows come home, right? And it's good to debate, and we have to have a, 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 a you know, for our faith, we've got to have some, uh, what do you call it? 
a, a discourse for our faith. It's fine. But the thing is, though, it starts really with the heart. John Maxwell says this, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. It is very, very, very important. You know, Ezekiel, an Old Testament prophet, he was not, he had to set for a long time where the people were sitting and he, before he could do one sermon, God says, I want you to feel what they feel. And so often we come with our rules and regulations instead of our love and compassion and comfort. Well, I suggest not here. I suggest not in our lives. And so there's a word here. The cry is, comfort my people. Comfort the people out there. Comfort each other. Comfort, speak to the heart. We need to touch the heart, heart-to-heart communication. Now, ladies are much better at that, generally. I don't want to stereotype. Now, it's very hard in this, this PC world, you know. I'm not like that. You know, I mean, I do a lot of, you know, I'm probably more female in that sense. Kath is more male in that sense, you know. Although I'm amazed how long you can be on the phone too, you know. It's like, it's me, I can be on the phone, but you can be a long time on the phone too, you know. Like, yeah, you're amazing. So, so let's, let's both say that we both, both do this stuff together. Heart to heart communication. Heart to heart with people. They want to know what healed our hearts. They want to know what comforted our lives. They want to know the hope that is in you. What is this hope you're talking about? Why are you so strengthened by this hope in your life? Amen? We can testify, but God is the source of my life. He did this stuff in my life. I love John Didix. Where's John? Right here on the front row. My good friend John. Good old Dutch friend. Sitting here this morning, right here. You know, he came to the Lord. He's given his testimony several times. He came to the Lord about eight years ago. And he came into our church. And he was a, f- a professional fraud investigator. You know? Worked with the New Zealand undercover, FBI, Dutch, whatever, and all around the world, right? And he, he is in, in the time of the Da Vinci Code. And he came in. He says, oh, Gideon. Because he came with Alika, who was a Christian. He said, oh, I am... Um, well, he told me later. He says, I'm, I came in here to, to fraud investigate Christianity. I said, I come to basically prove. I was going to read a book, write a book about it, right? I want to write a book about why Christianity is a fraud. I said, great. I said, why don't you play guitar and you're Dutch and I like you. And he's very good. And uh, man, I, 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 the cover that he did of Lee Rittenauer's song in Holland became a bigger hit than Lee Rittenauer himself. Anybody know Lee Rittenauer? A guitar player, he's an incredible guitar player. So their band in Holland did a better version than Lee Ritznow himself. So that's amazing. And so I thought, I was pretty impressed. And I loved the Dutch thing. I thought, I, I love some more musicians, you know. We were in the early days in the harmony. We didn't have many musicians, you know. So you want to play guitar? Not a question. We can play guitar. I love to play guitar. So here we go, play guitar. By the third week. Wow, Jesus. Third week. What happened, John? He stopped writing his book, he says. You know, you know what happened after the, thir- after the third week? And I know some of you, I think Val, some of you had to do with that, uh, Judas. I don't know what happened. but something about the coffee and tea that talked, and it talked straight to his heart. Bypass his head. Straight, God loves you. God loves you. And God just loved on him. Totally changed his life. And then afterwards, sure, he got renewal of the mind and everything else. But something happened. God got him at his heart level. The German theologian Davids says that in the Hebrew, the word nachamu, which basically means uh, the, the, the Hebrew translation of comfort, it actually means to cause to breathe again. To cause to breathe again, to breathe strongly again, to make strong, to invigorate. God has called us 
each one of us to be breathers of life, the breath of God Himself, the breath of the Holy Spirit that we can breathe over people's lives. Amen? It's really quiet in here. This is, yeah. You know the Old Testament prophets, two of them, the very famous one, Elijah and Elisha, you know what they used to do? They were dead people. We don't do this lately, do we? Have you done it lately? They would lie with the whole body all on the corpse and the warmth of their body and then they start to breathe into their breath, the breath of life. They would actually breathe, a bit scary, isn't it? You know, breathe their lives into those people and those guys would come back to life. Breathers of the life of God. We can't separate ourselves from the world. God wants us right inside the world. He wants us, and like I said last week, He wants us in the economics. He wants us in the government. He wants us in education. He wants us in business. He wants you at home. He wants all these places, the seven mountains of God. He wants us to infiltrate this with the love and the breath, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Ruach Spirit of God to infiltrate every part of it. You know, Jesus, this was before the Pentecost. Jesus, just before he went to the cross, in John 20, 22, he breathed on his disciples the Holy Spirit. And then he sent them out. He breathed on them, Ruach HaKodesh. And this was symbolic of the giving of the Holy Spirit soon after at the, Holy, uh, at the Pentecost. God is the source of all comfort. And he breathes his life. He breathes his life on us. He breathes his life on the world. 2 Corinthians 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Isn't that beautiful? Then Jesus, before he went away, he says, I'm, the Father's going to send you another comforter, right? Another comforter. Holy Spirit is not the only comforter. Jesus is a comforter. The Father is a comforter. They're all very full of love, full of comfort, full of everything. They're all comforting. And they've given us the ministry of comforting. Isn't that beautiful? We can comfort people. So many people here at the altar call too often. I would just hold, not girls, guys. Some of those girls, it's short. You know, careful, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, you hold it for a while, particularly men, you know, you hold it for a while. God loves you. I love Vicky when did the Father had, you know, seminars. I mean, remember, we, we hold people for a long time and they've never felt the love of God. And then we can be the conduit and we love, we hold, and five minutes, and it's awkward. But, you know, you feel awkward and you feel like, but, but something starts melting. Something starts melting in their hearts. Because they've never had any, I mean, God is spirit, so we can't really touch them. We can be the touch of God. In the, we can touch people's lives. People want, God, people are looking for your comforting. They're looking for your arm. They're looking for your embrace. They're looking for your love. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you. My neighbor is waiting for you. For me. <laughs> your neighbor is waiting for you. It's true. They're waiting for you. And any comfort that is not part of the finished work of Christ and not part of God's love and His comfort is a fake comfort. And the whole world is full of it. The whole church is full of it too. And God wants us to get rid of the stuff and let Him comfort us in the most profound and full 
and complete way. Amen? Real comfort is only found in God and in His work. And people are waiting to hear from you. What made you alive? What made you come alive? And the Holy Spirit, oh, I love in that sense Todd White is going to be here next year. I think or the year after Todd White and together with Sean Bolt and all those guys. They go onto the streets. I think the fourth uh, of those uh, DVDs is being fixed right now, finished. Or they're going to record it, whatever. Remember they go into the streets and they have the fire of God and love of God. It's all about the love of God. It's loving on people, you know. And the amazing miracles on the street happening all the time. See, that's a normal Christian life. And we look at these guys and say, ooh, amazing, you know. This is amazing, you know. The thing is that we are called to do this. And they're leading the way. Great. But we can do the same. Come on. Even in a small way. And kind of lead. And then when something starts happening, Cyrus does amazing. Cyrus goes all everywhere, you know, and he goes to touches people everywhere. It's awesome. Do it, guys. Do it. I mean, the guys on the street, you guys, loving people, Matthew. I mean, you guys are just homeless and people. In the, in the, it's wonderful. This, but you would hold people, wouldn't you? Hold people, love on people. They're so, they're so deficient of the love. They don't even know that there's a loving Heavenly Father who loves them. They don't even know their son or daughter. And we can say it to them, can't we? And bring comfort in their way and change their lives. Absolutely beautiful. People don't know they're forgiven already. Really? I'm forgiven? Yes, you are. When you receive Christ, the gift of forgiveness. Christmas. We'll talk about it, the gift. It's right there. They want to know what the hope is in our lives. And us can be channels of comfort to them. Amen? Peter said at the... Gate beautiful, at the gate beautiful, he says, what I have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. Johnny, can the band come up? What I give to you. Now, I want to say something else. I said, and it goes even deeper. That basically our comfort is based not only on the comfort of God, it's actually based on the character of God. It is based on the canon. And Isaiah 40 here is very powerful. I'm going to go straight quickly through this and some of the verses that we are not reading, but you can read it for yourself, uh, talks about this. Verse 8, this is very comforting. Look at all the stuff. The word of our God stands forever. Isn't that wonderful? Powerful. It's timeless and never changing. Verse 10, God comes with power and his arm rules for him. He's the ruler. He's awesome. This is comforting. Verse 11, God is the tender shepherd, just like Jesus. He is the tender shepherd. He is shepherding us. He is giving us comfort. Verse 12, God is the designing creator. It says there that he measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. He's got us in the palm of his hands. That's comforting. Verse 13, 14, he's, he's the omniscient God. God with absolute knowledge. Nobody ever taught him. Verse 15, 17, God is the supreme being. Verse 18, 20, God cannot be compared with other gods. There's no basis of comparison. Verse 21, 23, God is absolute omnipotent, all-powerful, and does what he pleases. It's very comforting. Verse 23, he is the king of kings. Verse 27, he is the all-seeing one. Verse 28, God neither faints nor gets weary. Come on. He gets never tired of our failures. He gets never tired of our questions. He gets never tired of our troubles. He's always there. And when we're faithless, He remains faithful. Because He cannot disown Himself. I mean, He's amazing. Verse 29, 31. God is the source of our strength. So the comfort that we have received, the comfort that, it, that our lives are built on, is the comfort that 
it, it relies on who God is even more than what He says or what He does because everything that He says and everything He does comes out of the fundamental knowledge that He is good and that He is a beautiful, beautiful, has a beautiful character. It's nature. It's who He is. Let's stand together. I want to just read this together. Isaiah 40 at the end. A very known um, verse for, some of, for many of us. But I'd like us to read this together and to declare this together. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Here we go. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's be seated for just a few minutes more. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Now I want to show you something. That word wait in the Hebrew is the word kuova. Everybody say kuova. Kuova. What actually means is to bind together by twisting. And the implication is here that when we bind our lives in a twisting form around God, around Jesus, then we receive strength. This is the same Thing that is talked about Ecclesiastes, like I always talk about at weddings, a three-fourth cord is not easily broken. So that is the weight. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The Hebrew for renew is actually exchange. The Hebrew word is to exchange. So those who are in a twisting motion build their lives around the Lord, exchange their weakness for strength. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's like this, uh, this tree. Look at this tree. Like ivy around the tree. See ivy? Ivy is us. The tree is the Lord. Those who grow up in the Lord, those who are lifted up in the Lord as He is our strength, He is our power, He is our comfort, and we grow up in Him as we round our lives, as we build around our lives around Him. And then in our weakness, we are strong. The tree is not going to go down. In our weakness, He is strong. He is the strong, our strong tower. He is the rock of all ages. He is amazing. He is the strength of our lives. And we grow up into Him. I was talking to Brian uh, Simmons the other day from the Passion Translation. He's going to be with us in, uh, in August again. Uh, amazing, because he's very busy. Um, August, he said, I just, I just translated Isaiah. I said, I'm, I'm doing a little thing in Isaiah. Can you please send it to me? It's not been published yet. So yeah, sure. So he sent me the whole Isaiah, the whole book, you know, by email. So I got the whole book. <laughs> but one of the things where I really like what he said about this whole thing, about growing up in him and this whole thing of verse 31 about those who mount up like you. What he says, he says, when you walk and not faint, he says that's the outer court. That's where you walk and not faint. The outer court of the tabernacle. Then he says, when you go to the holy place, you run. And you don't grow weary. But when you get to the Holy of Holies, you mount up on the wings of eagles. And the glory of the Lord in your life is just so incredibly powerful.
in your life. You know, I don't know where you are today in your own life. I don't know how many struggles you have or things that are weak in your life. Or you just say, man, I'm struggling getting in with some of the things that are going on in my life. I'm a bit disappointed about certain things. God wants to be your strength. God wants to be your comfort as you wrap yourself around Him. I would say just be, become a tree hugger. A Jesus hugger. A father hugger. A Holy Spirit hugger. You just hug, you build your life around Him. He is your strong tower. He is your rockness. And our weakness, in our weakness, He is our strength. And you know, when we do this, we actually prepare the way of the Lord in our lives. And we change from glory to glory, ever-increasing glory. So we wrap ourselves around Him. And also we comfort and prepare the way of the Lord in other people, through our lives, into other people's lives. <laughs>